when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Hey, not much, Shane. Just having a good old time over here. And I was doing good. Till I read these comments from one Greg Sankey. Oh, God. Of course, the SEC commissioner, for anyone that missed it, on Wednesday finally came clean. Tennessee fans, South Carolina fans, all the other SEC fans mad at the refs, you should be happy. SEC finally addressed these officiating. And for anyone that missed it, I'm not going to read this whole damn thing to you because it's damn painful to read. But basically, you can read that over at SEC Sports. Greg Sankey, giant post here, basically says, hey, there's no such thing as perfect football. We're not perfect. (laughs) And uh, to hell with all you people upset with it. He also notes here at the end of his note that uh, if you got any questions on the officiating in the SEC, you can go to this website. I encourage each and every one of you to do that. That's uh, secsports.com slash officiating. And if you go to that page, you'll find that they have not updated that since the 2018 season. So <laughs> you got any questions about last year and the officiating, you probably won't even find them there. But it's a it's a video of Steve Shaw breaking down plays. So that's, that's pretty helpful for last week. And they also point out that uh, they've created a Twitter account, SEC Officiating. You can follow that. And uh, they don't tweet during the games. It even says right here, uh, we will. N- we have no intention of tweeting all day on Saturdays about calls, and they they tweet about you know once every two weeks to explain some call you don't even give a shit about. But uh, go ahead, right there, those two resources, and that'll solve all your problems. What do you think, Shane? <laughs> oh man, this is it's felt it's felt like a copy paste deal, you know, <laughs> something like I'm sure he's already sent this statement out sometime, probably in 2018, and. You know, the one thing that really stood out to me was the was the Twitter page itself because I was under the impression that, you know, we're always going to have an official, you know, a retired official on call, you know, so if there's a if there's a play that happens and we need clarity of, of what happened, you know, that they could come in and say, and I thought that's kind of what this Twitter handle is going to be about. No, it is not about that. And like you said, it's just not up to date. It's just we don't know anything. I mean, basically, like you said, they're just saying, you know, we make mistakes. So, you know, what? there's there's nothing that can be done about it. I, you know, I'm done with it. I know you're done with it. So we're going to move on. But, 
apparently Sankey's already moved on too. So, you know, I just so. think it's hilarious how they try to pass this off as being transparent, but they won't, won't discuss it. And and this is like their yeah. avenue to do it. And you know, they're not even saying we screwed up or anything. It's just like there's there's no officiating getting suspended or anything like that because they've done that in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, officials get in trouble, and you know they'll. They'll write them up or suspend them for a week or something like that. There was none of that. It was just like you know what they just they made mistakes. But I tell you what, they made some really bad mistakes, and that's that was what was crazy. It was uh, it was a big focal part of the a lot, a lot of these games, and you know, and there's a lot of people that feel like these games could have had different outcomes if the officiating was more fair. And uh, I, I'm one of them. So you know, whatever it is, what it is, but. Uh, yeah, I, these blanket statements that, like I said, it felt like a copy, copy paste deal. I mean, that's, that's stupid. Come out and, and tell me the truth, you know, like, Hey, we, we did look into these, you know, or, or actually tell us what you told South Carolina, you know, I'm sure there was a rebuttal letter sent to South Carolina and it wasn't these words that Sankey put out on, uh, today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just don't make any sense. And like you said, that Twitter account, you know, maybe they have a policy. We got 1,000 fans from a fan base complaining about a call. Hey, hell, maybe we address that in the next day or two. I don't really think that's that hard to do, but I don't know. I don't really understand the point of it if they're going to create all these things but not update them. Exactly. All right, Shane, enough of uh, the officiating bullshit. <laughs> we had some recruiting news here, Shane. Well, we don't talk a ton of recruiting during the season, but – uh, I just thought this was kind of some interesting stuff. We had, you know, we kind of teased it there on the last podcast. Eric Gilbert made his announcement. We'll get to that in just a second. But uh, you ready to do some recruiting talk? Yeah, let's do some recruiting. This is not a four-year decision. This is a 40-year decision. Come to the University of South Carolina and you'll be successful the next 40 years. Recruiting and retaining is our top priority. We're coming. We're coming fast. We're coming at you. The Jets fueled up. We're ready to go. He was my guy from the get-go. I watched all up across the country. I, I truly believe Zach is as good of a quarterback as there is in the United States. I really, his arm talent is to be able to run and create plays and make guys around him like an old-school quarterback. And it's just he can do everything. We have more players in the league than anybody else. We're playing the greatest stadium, we're playing the greatest conference, and we're the LSU Tigers. If you love the purple and gold, you'll come play for us. We're going to get to Eric Gilbert in just a minute here, but uh, let's just go in order of what actually happened and a little insight to uh, how Shane and I do this. You know, we record these late at night, stay up all night, slaving away editing for for you guys. (laughs) But last night we got done recording the podcast, Shane, and uh, as soon as I started editing, I saw uh, the Memphis linebacker, the first of the White Haven trio, Bryson Eason, Committed to Tennessee, Shane. My, my phone started blowing up, but I was like, oh, that's good. I'll get back to <laughs> editing. About 30 minutes pass. Hey, the former Arkansas commit, Martavius French, also Whitehaven linebacker, commits to Tennessee. That's pretty <laughs> exciting. I kept editing. 
Uh, about 15, 20 minutes later, uh, Tamarian McDonald decommitted from Mississippi State. I was like, well, hell, there's the third guy. I wonder what he's up to. And then I, I about finished my podcast here, Shane, and then I hear McDonald committed to Tennessee. So <laughs> it was just a damn landslide of news for Tennessee. And not only that, but uh, big Amari Thomas, another Memphis target, and uh, along with a slew of others coming and announced uh, they're all taking official visits to Tennessee this weekend. This is shaping up to be one hell of a weekend for Tennessee on the recruiting trail. Uh, what's your reaction as the big Tennessee homer to all this good news for the Vols? Honestly, man, when it kept coming, I was like, you sure you don't want to just jump on for a minute, you know, and discuss this? So <laughs> I was excited. To, uh, you love hearing it. Uh, but, that you know, this is a group that I honestly didn't think we were going to get. I honestly thought they were going to Arkansas. And apparently, you know, that was a horrible experience. Um, do you have more on that? I mean, I know you touched on it a little bit, but – we got one was committed to Mississippi State. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Was it McDonald? McDonald's miss was a Mississippi State commit, and French was the one committed to Arkansas, and he's the one that, you know, basically as soon as he touched back down in Memphis, he decommitted from Arkansas. Coming off uh, all three, took an official visit last weekend to Arkansas for the Auburn game, Shane, and. It just kind of tells you where things are at at Arkansas. If you get three guys to come on an official visit, and then you know a couple days later they all commit to another school, and basically it boils down to they said uh, you know two weeks ago we were at Tennessee, we were at Arkansas last weekend. That told us all we needed to hear. We're Vols, and to make this even worse, Shane, for Arkansas, according to Kari Thompson of uh, the Memphis Commercial Appeal. He caught up to these three Whitehaven guys after they announced for Tennessee. And you know what they said, Shane? What's that? Had they had Chad Morris offered us all back in the spring, we'd be Razorbacks right now. <laughs> so, my, man, it just, oh, man, I, I feel, I just feel bad for them at this point. But that's the way it goes. Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt's first one to offer all three of these high school kids, all from the same high school, all play uh, linebacker. And from what I understand, they have a hell of a defense there at Whitehaven. So uh, <laughs> Tennessee, 17 commits for the 2020 class, and now 10 of them are four stars. So a really good day for Tennessee. But the biggest recruiting news of the day, Shane, we touched on it, Eric Gilbert, the five-star tight end, uh, the apparently the highest-rated tight end in the history of 24-7 sports recruiting services, so this is going back, I honestly don't know how long they've been in business, but I think it's around 15 years. Mm-hmm. This is the highest rated tight end they've ever evaluated. And I said it on this podcast, I thought he was going to Alabama, maybe Georgia. That was the sleeper pick. That was everybody's pick, Shane. Every single crystal mm-hmm. ball on the 247 sports was heavily leaning towards Alabama. A couple Georgia holdouts, not a single LSU pick. <laughs> And let's uh, let's kick it over to Gilbert Shane, who shocked the world here, the recruiting world. He's a tiger. LSU is a great place, it's a great school. Uh, Coach O, it's just I don't know, it's just <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just so excited right now. Yes, yeah, it's just a one of a kind coach to be honest. Um, LSU's always been one of my top choices. Um, just with the culture of the school, um, atmosphere of the games, and. But now with the offense that they're running, I think that will fit into it perfectly. So, yeah, and Eric, 
Tech, I've covered recruiting for years, and um, you know, usually you know when you get there who the, who the kid's going to pick. Um, but the people here in charge said they had no idea. Right. How did you keep it a secret? Because in this day and time, it's rare, it rarely happens. Right. So um, I was a shoe in for Georgia. Well, I mean, that's what all the recruiting sites said. And then people start talking about Alabama, but I mean, like, it never really came out of my mouth that I was going there. So, I mean, honestly, it was, like, I had it in my head where I wanted to go, but everybody just kept saying, like, other schools. So, I mean, I just let them think what they think. So, and then in the end, you know, I just made my choice. So, your mom said um, last night you were still juggling around a few schools, and, uh, like, how did you? How did you finally end up with LSU? Like, what, what separated them, did you say? Um, well, I mean, honestly, I made my decision before that. I was just trying to mess her up. But <laughs> but um, I think what separated LSU for me is just, honestly, the school. Like, if, even if I wasn't playing football, I wanted to go to LSU. And um, I think with the offense that they run now, that's what put it over top, just the, that I, I would go to the school. And now they have an offense that fits me. I think that's just a perfect fit for me. Um, have you told LSU's coaches yet? Um, no, not yet. Okay, what do you, what do you think their reaction is going to be? Um, I mean, last night they, they were talking like they really wanted me, so, I mean, they're going to be happy. All right, Shane, so I like the way this kid handled it because, um, you know, sometimes when, when these surprise announcements come, um, I don't know why so many people get damn upset with it. You know, you just got to young men go where they feel they want to go and, who cares what uh -huh. they say or do during recruiting? But it sounds like he didn't even troll anyone. He didn't say. He never told anyone he's going to Alabama. He never told anyone he's going to Georgia. He just let them think what they wanted to think. And uh, I guess he didn't even tell his mama. He didn't tell <laughs> Coach O. So, I mean, this is this is pretty wild. But, uh, you know, imagine a year ago. I put this out on Twitter. I know LSU can recruit. And they've always had elite skilled players, particularly, you know, they clean up in state when you, right. you know, you could go down the long list. They've had receivers and, and running backs and all that, but most of them are kids they're getting from in state. Imagine a year ago, the way LSU was running their offense, saying they would reach into Georgia, taking a tight end that the Bulldogs desperately wanted, taking a tight end that Alabama desperately wanted. I mean, when you're talking those three schools a year ago, LSU was last on that list of schools you want to go play offense at. But for I, sure, this kid wanted to go play for Joe Brady. Wants to go play for Coach O. It's just it seems like the decision to open it up and go to a spread offense just continues to pay off for the Tigers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and this is one of those kids. Uh, you know, honestly, I didn't watch the uh, announcement. Because there was an orange hat on that platform, but it was not a Tennessee orange. So you know, I was like, you know what? I ain't even going to waste my time. So, But then all these tweets coming out that says, oh, man, uh, he, shocked, he shocked it. We didn't see that one coming, you know? And I keep keep looking. I was like, did, did he pick Tennessee? You know, Does he want to play with Harrison next year? You know, that's what I was thinking. But uh, I, I honestly, I didn't think LSU had a shot. Uh, you know, just because I was like you, I was reading the tea leaves. I thought this was for sure Alabama, maybe Georgia, maybe Georgia sneaks in. But I, honestly, I, I I thought Nick Saban had this one locked up. But not so fast, my friend. He's going to LSU, and the I'm telling you, man, LSU is fun to watch. And these kids, especially if uh, he was at the the Florida game, wasn't he? 
Yeah, that was so his official visit was for the Florida game. Imagine that atmosphere. I'm sure, you know, I, I really don't think a lot of these visits, you know, they're important, but hell, I think everywhere they go, they, they generally have a good time. So I don't think it was the final decision, but when you, when he was probably feeling like LSU was the school and then taking that trip, particularly for the Florida game, it probably cemented it in his mind that this is where I want to come play with these fans, with this offense against, you know, mm-hmm. doing great things against even this Florida defense. That was probably the, the final push he needed to, to make his decision. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's an electrifying offense and, and he will be a focal piece of the offense moving forward. So yeah, I mean, the more you think about it, the more I'm not surprised. I'm actually surprised LSU hasn't landed more recruits, but you know, I, I'm, I'm imagining we're going to hear some more as the season progresses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, while we're talking some recruiting, obviously, uh, you know, this is not a particularly a busy time for commitments. We're going to get that to that in about a month. It's going to go into overdrive, Shane. But I just wanted to take a brief overview here. We're going to run down the 14 schools, how they're ranked on 247 Sports Composite on the team rankings and how many commits they got. So you also kind of got to factor in how many they got and how much room they have for improvement. We'll start at the top shade. Alabama currently has the number one ranked class in the SEC. They've got 23 commits at this time, so they can really only add, you know, two or three more. LSU's just right behind them. They're at number two. They've got 22 commits now with Gilbert joining the class. Uh, Georgia, number three, but they've only got 16 commits at this time, so that's what I'm talking about. They can add, you know, nine, ten more guys there. That class could potentially still uh, jump (laughs) Alabama and LSU, but it's going to take some talent. Texas A&M, number four, they've got 19 commits. Auburn, number five, they've got 18 commits. Florida, number six, they've got 18 commits. South Carolina, number seven, they also have 18 commits. And then Tennessee is at number eight, they've got 17 commits. Uh, Number nine, Mississippi State, they've got 22 commits. Ole Miss, number 10, they've got 23 commits. Uh, Kentucky's number 11, they've got 16 commits. Missouri's number 12 with 15 commits. Arkansas's number 13 with 13 commits. And then finally, Vanderbilt at 14 with 13 commits. So these schools at the bottom, with the exception of uh, Ole Miss here, and I guess you could say Mississippi State, they have room to to improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's We're far from done. And remember, this uh, this could all change. Kids can decommit and all this. But uh, we with the new signing period, it seems like uh, the December period is when about 80 85 percent of these kids signed so we're only two days away from or actually two months away from that period so this is a good indication of where these classes are going to be obviously the final month of the season how that plays out on the field is certainly going to affect the recruiting but uh, just wanted to give you a brief overview uh, on that subject while we're talking with some recruiting you ready to go around the league let's do it buddy now let's go around the league My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, 
uh, you know, play more teams from the West. Why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey, guys! Hey! I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you! All right, Shane. Starting, uh, you know, we don't want to ignore these teams all week, but uh, there's not always a lot going on when they're on the bye week. Uh, so l- let's hit it with uh, jump on down to Athens. Oh, no, <laughs> Kirby Smart met with the media here. I believe this was on Tuesday evening. And uh, I just wanted to make a couple notes here because, you know, things are not necessarily going the way they want on offense. But, uh, again, it's, it was the damn downpour game. It was the turnover game against South Carolina. So it's hard to read too much into those results, if, in my opinion. If they don't turn the ball over so many times against South Carolina, they probably win that game. The offense probably doesn't look as bad. Uh, mm-hmm. We just will never know how it would have been against Kentucky if uh, – if Jake Fromm could see the field from the damn rain, but uh, the way it was, it's just it's just bleeding into another week of people questioning the direction of this offense. But Georgia was in a very similar place last year. They got their ass handed to them by LSU. Then they had mm-hmm. two weeks to hear about it before that Florida game, and they just they came out like gangbusters and dominated that game for the most part. So it could be the same issue. We could forget all about the, all this drama in a, in a week or two. But my question to you, Shane, what is your plan of, of attack here if you're Georgia? Because you do got that offensive line. You've got some outstanding running backs. You've got some receivers that seem to be struggling to kind of beat press coverage, kind of get open. You know, Florida's probably going to be stacking that box, force Jake Fromm, these receivers, to beat them. Do you yeah. do you put it in Jake Fromm's hands, or do you you know let this offensive line do what they know how to do? I think we got to build Fromm's confidence up, man. And not saying that he's bad, not saying that he's rattled or anything like that. I'm not calling him out, but you know, this isn't this isn't the Jake we're used to. Um, you know, this isn't the Jake we saw at the start of the season. I want to see him come out and, and and build on his confidence. You know, have some just just have some stuff dialed up to make Florida guess what you're doing because right now Georgia's getting a little predictable you know mm-hmm. it just feels like we, we we know that we're gonna we're gonna see the running game and, and then when we do get close to the, the end zone it's gonna be cager out there you know trying to catch a fly or something i mean it's just it's it's not i, I want to see some creativity with that offense and and i think they can do it i, I they've got enough talent lord knows they got enough of talent on that team and this could be an opportunity for them to have a signature win florida is not an easy team florida is you know they went toe-to-toe with lsu for a while and if they come out like they have the last few weeks dude georgia can lose this game and you you think the wheels have fell off now you know just wait wait until you lose another one wait till you there's no chance of you getting to an sec championship or a bowl game georgia could implode man these fans are they're they're angry they're 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 ready for they're ready for that that summit man you know what i'm saying they've mm-hmm. been they've been they've been right there at the edge for too long it is time this is a reason they got rid of mark rick the, the kirby was supposed to take them to the next level and if they don't do it against florida man man it's that uh, it's i don't know what they're going to do down there 
but they got they got to establish something, man. They got to get these receivers going. They got to get some tight end play going. They got they can't just rely on Swift and the running backs here. Mm-hmm. Well, let's kick it over to Kirby Smart. I thought he had some interesting comments on the fact that. Uh, you know, you don't just come into the SEC and push these guys around. I just thought that was a great comment here from Kirby. And then uh, finally, he was asked about in-state recruiting. Now, if you don't know, uh, these coaches, they're not allowed to specifically mention a recruit's name. And I don't know if this question was being asked because of Gilbert's upcoming commitment, but I suspect that it was. And I suspect the person asking kind of had a feeling that Gilbert was not going to pick Georgia. So it was just asked to Kirby, you know, the fact that Georgia is now able, well, I guess they've always been able to, but under Kirby, they've definitely been recruiting the entire nation looking for the best prospects. Does that change how they recruit Georgia? And uh, Kirby kind of took offense to that one. I was talking to Andrew after the game, and he was talking about how when you guys started to have that success outside, it was almost like Kentucky's defensive lineman stopped anchoring at the point of attack so much as, from a defensive perspective, how much does it loosen you up when things are kind of gashing you outside the tackles and out of the perimeter? Well, I'll be honest with you. It loosens you up when you have to go against the offensive line repeatedly for four quarters. I mean, it just honest with you, it just wears you down. Um, there were a lot of plays that were called in the third and fourth quarter that were successful. I mean, there were some good inside zone plays that were, that were called. There was more movement in general. Um, but I've said it here for four years. You don't walk in the SEC and just move people early in the game. It just doesn't happen. You're not just road grading folks out of there. It's a cumulative effect that it takes. And we certainly had a cumulative effect because we ran it better later than earlier. No, I would I mean I would never change how we recruit State of Georgia. It's home base, it's primary, it's a number one, most important. That doesn't mean we're gonna get every kid. <laughs> I mean that, and there's some good players in the state that have left, and uh, we fought to get to get them. But I mean, I want the best players in the state to stay home. We, we will never change how we recruit the state of Georgia. Why would you ever do that? I mean, there's too many good players here. All right, Shane. So Kirby, you know, made a good point here. You're not going to land all the kids that you want in your state, particularly with the entire SEC, the entire nation, really looking into Georgia for talent. But losing Gilbert, I mean, that's a huge position to need for Georgia. And, uh, I mean, this is, I don't know how big of a blow it'll turn out to be, but uh, at least this week, this looked like a huge loss here for the Bulldogs. And I don't think Kirby has any explaining to do. He's a hell of a recruiter. But I think it's fair to ask these questions to make sure that uh, he's putting a priority on these uh, Peach State prospects. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's it. You got to protect your borders. You, if you could just record, just recruit your own state, you can win a lot of ball games down there. You know what I'm saying? Right. The bad thing is you don't you don't want people sneaking into your. You don't want teams like Clemson coming in and grabbing Murphy and you know what I'm saying. Something that the that they they're able to do now here and here you got Gilbert going to LSU. You know that. That sucks, you know, because that's not the Georgia that we've seen recruit, been recruiting the last few seasons. Now, I, I mean, you're going to have one or two or three, you know, sneak outside the border there, but you 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 still need to lock it down, man. You know, you do that, Georgia will be fine. Georgia will always be competitive. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Shane, the other team here on a bye, I wanted to hit on them briefly here. Let's jump on down to Oxford. Matt Luke met with the media on Wednesday, and uh, you know what? Sounds pretty promising, Shane. I had no idea this was going to be the case, but uh, uh, John Rice Plumley, we touched on it. I, I think it was on our Monday, Tuesday show, something like that. Uh, John Rice Plumley had to have surgery but it sounds like Matt Luke says he's already doing rehab the same day. So, and of course, Ole Miss is on a bye this weekend. But next weekend they're playing Auburn. They suspect this kid's going to be good to go. That's pretty shocking to me. And then uh, you know the one thing that I watch this year with Ole Miss is a very improved team, but obviously a very young team. It just seems like they have so much talent. They're not always in the right spot. They're not always making the plays they should make. But if I'm an Ole Miss fan, I've got to be thrilled with this freshman class that Matt Luke has brought in. It seems like there's a lot of gems in there, a lot of kids that uh, the moment's not too big for them. They're already making plays in the SEC, and uh, that's something that Matt Luke pointed to for the future of his program. Just along the same lines of injuries, do you have any updates on how John Rice's procedure went? Or yeah, everything was like everything was successful. Just got done seeing him. He's already working on range of motion and walking around. Um, so was, he's, was it like his meniscus or something? It was just a scope. I mean, so it was a very minor procedure. So, uh, again, it, it was in and out. He was doing rehab the day of the surgery. So, I think, uh, again, I anticipate him being ready to go. Tisdale getting extra reps or anything? Yeah, he, well, he's getting he's getting all the two reps, so he's getting, um, you know, Matt's getting the one reps and uh, Tisdale's getting the two, so you know he's getting a bunch of reps. Matt, how proud are you of this of this true freshman class? I mean, Ely was named a midseason All-American this afternoon, and you're getting contributions from all over the field, particularly offensively from those true freshmen, even on the defensive side. Yeah, I, I am. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, you know, as frustrated as I am, it does. And I think everybody feels that way. Everybody wants to win. I think we all feel the same way. We want to get over the hump. But at the same time, I'm very excited about what, the, what they bring. I think the freshman class is further ahead than what I thought they would be. I knew they would be good players. But as far as going out against the people that they're um, playing against and, and playing at a high level, I'm excited about that and what it says about our future. All right, Shane. So I really wanted to bring this up because I wanted to ask you this. I was actually on SiriusXM, the SEC channel there, on Wednesday. I was asked to do an interview. They hit me up with a question. I want to ask you the same question because I was, I was unexpecting this one to be thrown my way, and it, it took me a minute to formulate my opinion here. But if I were to tell you or ask you right now, Shane, October 24th, which coach from the state of Mississippi is more likely to be there in 2020? Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State, Matt Luke, at Ole Miss, obviously heading into the season, I would have said Joe Moorhead 100%. At this point, I'm not so sure. What's what's your thoughts on that question? <laughs> Dude, I, I you know, I've always liked Coach Luke. And, and in fact, the offseason, I told you his team's going to make a bowl game. So I'm, I'm honestly, even though I've been pumping him up, I'm still surprised with how far they've come along down there. So – yeah, I think Coach Luke's the safest. Here's here's a guy that has no other team he wants to coach for, you know? You, you don't hear no Rutgers talk with Coach Luke, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's not that there's not that cloud that, you know, he's probably going to go back up north at some point, you know? So mm -hmm. and and the fact that 
uh, honestly, Ole Miss is better than they were last year with the younger team. Mm-hmm. And Mississippi State, say what you want, has taken a step back and and had more talent. So, um, yeah, I think Coach Luke's the safest bet right now. Yeah, I think you're probably right, Shane. But although I do think that uh, the leadership at Mississippi State far more stable, I certainly don't think they're looking to make a change. But kind of like you said, there's speculation. Potentially, Joe Moorhead may be moving on. I've also heard uh, he would jump at the pit job if that were to become open. So that's kind of one to watch as well. It's funny. We could all be talking about Rutgers, and then he jumps for Pitt. That'd be something. But uh, I don't think uh, Mississippi State would fire Joe Moorhead even. I mean, God forbid if he lost out. But, I mean, they've got some winnable games here. It, this is just kind of where we are in the SEC landscape. I don't think – Where we, yeah, I'm sorry. Where we just want to hit the panic button when it, when things start trending bad. But, I mean, look at it, Shane. They got Arkansas. They got Abilene Christian. They got the Egg Bowl. Mississippi State should be favored in all those games. The, the Egg Bowl's in Starkville. If they win all those three, I mean, I, I think Joe Moorhead is perfectly fine. I, he'll, he will have to kind of go into a prove-it year. But mm-hmm. I, Mississippi State is just not a school that is just – wanting to just bring people in and fire them, you know, in two years. I, I just don't think that's that's the case down there. No, there's a lot of Joe believers up there too, man. And I'm one of them. I, you know, there were some things I didn't like last season, but I really think that, you know, Mississippi State had a tough hand dealt to them this year. But with what they've been able to do and what they've been over, able to overcome, I, I think they're moving in the right direction. That Tennessee game was embarrassing. I get that. But, man, they really came out the following week, and, and they left it all on the field. That's what you want to see. If Coach can get that much out of his team, you're right. They're going to win a lot more games this year, and, and we're going to be fine. But I'm like you, man. If I don't see Joe getting fired, but I do see him potentially leaving. That's the thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how the pressures that he's getting from – upper management over there you know what i'm saying so yeah i mean yeah there's some upset fans and there's gonna be upset fans i mean there's fans that are mad at saving right now you know what i'm saying <laughs> so i mean there's gonna be upset fans but if you don't have that that uh, support staff around you you know if you if you feel like your athletic director or the president or some of these boosters that are around there at mississippi state aren't giving you the love that you deserve well then that's when joe starts looking for other places and other avenues and and what better what better time to do it than closing out a season with three or four wins you know Mm -hmm. well speaking of a hot seat shane uh let's kick it down to lexington where on the weekly SEC coaches teleconference, you know, a lot of times, Shane, not a whole lot of news comes from this, but from time to time, we do get a really good question asked and a really insightful answer. And I just really liked this one from Mark Stoops. He was asked by an Arkansas uh, media guy, uh, I believe it was Bob Holt is is the media guy's name, uh, but before Kentucky and Arkansas played a couple weeks back, uh, Mark Stoops and Chad Morris had they shared a moment there at the 50-yard line. You know, no cameras around or whatever. And Stoops was asked, you know, what he said to Chad Morris. He wouldn't get into the specifics of it, but you know, he just kind of offered his support because remember, 
you know, everyone's trying to uh, talk about what a poor job Chad Morris is doing, and, and we're right there with him. But you got to remember what the situation is that he took over, going from Brett Bielema to the Chad Morris system, night and day different. I know, obviously, the results are not there. It's looking rough as hell right now. But Mark Stoops went through something very similar, and they stuck with him, and it paid off. Um so I apologize for the uh, – this audio is not fantastic. It's just recorded off a phone here. But uh, I just thought this was too good not to share. So this is Mark Stoops talking uh, Chad Morris in Arkansas and their plan moving forward if Chad Morris really is their guy. Well, I think, you know, we'll, we'll keep that, you know, I think, between us. Uh, but we definitely talked before the game and, and uh, briefly thereafter. But uh, – you know, I think you know I could I could relate. You know, I've, I've been there. I've been uh, where he's at, and uh, it, it gets difficult. You know, when uh, you know when you step into certain jobs, and you know people, you know, say they understand that it's going to take some time. Uh, but when you're in the midst of that in this league, and, and really everywhere, uh, it gets difficult, and that that starts compounding, and uh, it's it's a difficult situation to overcome. Um, so, you know, I've been there and, uh, just, uh, I do want to encourage him because he's a great guy and a great coach and, uh, I'm sure he'll be successful if he's given the opportunity, but I understand that's difficult in this day and age, but, uh, but he's in a tough spot and, uh, in, in people, I don't think really understand how difficult it is in this league. I think, uh, you know, people talk about it. But each fan base and all of us, we're just interested in ourselves. I mean, you know, we're I'm worried about Kentucky and uh, and fan bases are as well. But uh, you know, it's it's difficult to get over the hump and get going uh, in this league, and, and you know, so that's part of what we we're talking about. And you know, obviously, Kentucky and Arnie's are different. All, all these jobs are different. But uh, just based on your experience of getting Kentucky up, where you have you know, being a consistent bowl team, having a great you know, 10-win season. Well, what's it take if you're kind of at the bottom of the SEC to get up to being where you're playing, you know, competing? Well, that, yeah, that's that's a difficult question uh, to answer in a, in a brief period of time there, but but uh, a lot, uh, basically, Bob, a lot needs to happen. And I think, you, you know, it starts with great support, you know, from your people, from your administration, from your president and your AD, and in knowing that you have that support, and and you know, as I said, you know, coming into to, to Kentucky, if I if I was going to have a quick fix here, something's wrong. You know, you better look into it a little deeper if you turn this thing real quick. You know, and uh, you know, I don't know. He may be in the same situation there. I don't I don't know. You know, what's going on behind the scenes or what it's like there, but but uh, you got to have great support from the administration and you got to have a buy-in from the fans and I know that's difficult you know I've, I've always owned it like I understand you got to have a great a good product out there for people to pay a lot of money and there's a big investment to go to a football game you know you got to wait in line you got to park you got to pay a bunch of money there's a lot of things that are involved and uh, and they they want to see it on the field uh, but without it without the support you know we don't have a chance to recruit you know and you don't have a chance to build it so uh, it's tough in the when you're in the bottom, you know, of the SEC. It's a, it's a tough climb. There, there's no doubt about it. When when I started here at Kentucky, if we we just look at 14 teams on paper, you know, I'm quite sure we were we were 15. And so uh, you know, you try to you try to dig your way out of that, and you just got to try to keep on fighting each and every day. It it truly is uh, a fight. It's a grind. 
All right, Shane, so you heard it there from Mark Stoops. I mean, if this is Arkansas's guy, and certainly we don't, we're not saying it, it clearly is, but if you're the administration who hired him, I think you got to support him. And mm-hmm. a, part, a big part of that is the fan support as well, because if the fans aren't buying in, recruits aren't buying in, and it just you know, it just uh, goes all downhill like that. Mark Stoops has been through a certain situation just like this. I mean, he went 0-8 his first year in the SEC. Started out 5-1 and his next year. Everyone was jumping on the bandwagon. Then they dropped six in a row. And then those uh, boo birds came out pretty damn quick. But they stuck with Mark Stoops. It paid off big time. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on these comments from Mark Stoops. Yeah, I mean uh... – it, even the following season, they didn't make a bowl game. You know, it, it took four seasons for, for Mark to finally make the bowl, and he just progressively got better. Now, this season hasn't gone as planned, but, you know, that's that's got to be motivation for you. You know, you're talking to a coach that's been through, like you said, that's been through it. Kentucky was his first job, you know, as a head coach. And, mm-hmm. you know, Morris has a little bit more experience in the head coaching field, but not in the SEC. You know, this is his first big, big time uh, position. But, you know, it's still kind of an awkward conversation. You know, the more I think about it, it's like, you know, I mean, who brought it up? Does Did Mark say, you know, hey, I know you – You've been sucking lately. Just hang in there. You're going to be fine. Or does he, or did did Morris come in and say, "Hey, man, uh, you know I'm I'm not doing too well, and they want me fired. You know what should I do? You know I, I well I'll be I'll be honest with you, Shane. I've I've talked to coaches, and they yeah. they will never say what's going on when they're meeting up there at the, the you know pregame fifty yard line, what have you. But mm-hmm. I think that is the moment. I mean, that's where we see those awkward ass photos. Like we, you remember the uh, there was like Butch Jones and Derek Mason hugging it out. That's where these moments come from, and I think these are the only moments in these guys' lives. It's it's like a very shielded, very private moment because there's only 14 of these coaches in the SEC, and mm-hmm. you know it's the same damn reason we got this podcast because there's 14 fan bases that are amazing, that love college football, that will support you tooth and nail if you're winning. And if you're losing, they want your ass out of town. (laughs) So there's only these 14 guys that really know, you know, the pressure of these jobs. And I think when they get together before these games, as long as they're friendly, and I think most of them truly are, uh, it's almost like, I don't want to say counseling, but it's just, it's like a brotherhood that only they they know and they and they understand and I think they kind of lower their guard at these moments and just have these conversations and I would imagine Mark Stoops knowing the guy he is you know he brought it up and just offered his support to Chad because he's like he said he's been there he's been he's been there yeah. where the Kentucky fans want him gone and that's where Arkansas fans are at a lot of them with Chad Morris right now so I think he's just offering some advice to uh, to not a rookie SEC coach, but a young SEC coach, if that makes sense. No, that's good, man. It's like a fraternity, you know? Exactly. Yeah, you got, you, got your, you got your moment there before the game. They're probably talking a lot about family. They're probably not – I mean, football probably doesn't even come up, you know, other than, yeah, maybe some job security talk or something like that. But um, that's good, man. I like that. We need to mock that and see what's going on in those little circles. <laughs> <laughs> How do we evade that privacy, Mike? Do we, where's our <laughs> lip readers at? Get Leach on the phone. 
All right, Shane, last thing I got here. I think Nick Saban heard about our new nickname for <laughs> Baby Tua. He was asked about him and how often he'll see the field on Saturday. And damn, Nick Saban, for the first time in about six days, <laughs> he, <laughs> he went on a damn anger rant. Will there be an effort to get Talia into the game just to expedite his uh, his progression? You know, we're, we're, we're focused on winning the game, all right? So we're, we're going to try to win the game, and we're going to play the best players that we can play to win the game. And we're not assuming that it's going to be an easy game, all right? and we're not assuming that we'll have opportunity just to play anybody that wants to play, to expedite anything except winning the game. So we're going to play everybody who can expedite winning the game. That's what, that's what we're going to do. So I don't think anybody should expect us to do anything else. All right, Shay, you wouldn't know it, but uh, this this damn man—he's the coach of the number one team in the nation. They haven't—I mean, they lost what, like one game in two, three years here. But uh, man, he is fired up, and we're only about—I uh, think we're a week away from his birthday. Man, he needs to chill out here, doesn't he? <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's hard to believe he only has four losses this year. You know? Oh wait, no, he's undefeated. That's right. <laughs> oh man, I'll. You know, I don't know. Maybe he had a flashback uh, because, you know, you remember last year, fall fall camp coming in, you know, they got Tula and Jalen. Boy, that was – that's all they wanted to talk about 24-7. So, I mean, Saban's really enjoyed no co- quarterback controversy this year. You know what I'm saying? And and maybe it's just, you know, he's just got a little PTSD with, uh, with the old Jalen situation. He just had a flashback, you know. Like, damn, I do got to deal with that next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting point. I had not thought about it, but some some kind of bug went up Saban's ass there. I just thought mm. that was great. That was the, the highlight of my Wednesday evening. But uh, that's all I got for this one, Shane. A little bit different podcast, but uh, I think it was a good time talking some SEC football. Mm. You got anything before we hop off here? Uh, no. Uh, appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Uh, obviously... I keep I'm not putting off the ratings review I really do appreciate it. I mean you guys went out there you took your time to to do these ratings and review and I really do appreciate it but I'm gonna be honest with you it's past 10 o'clock right now my wife's birthday was today uh, she turned 29 again so uh, <laughs> you know we had a great celebration but I'm exhausted we're gonna get off here tonight uh, tomorrow we're gonna get up early and get our picks in and um by next week, man, I'm, I, I promise I'm going to get these reviews. I appreciate everybody doing that. Uh, we've Again, we've got a few more pictures of the koozies out there. That's awesome, Mike. We've got mm-hmm. one cooking chili with it. we got one on the <laughs> beach, you know. I mean, it's just you, you never know where these koozies are going to end up. But I love, I love watching it. So I appreciate everybody, man. Yeah, and to get your koozie, just give us a five-star written review. Send that over to us at thatsecpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. We'll send one out your way. We really appreciate each and every one of y'all going out and taking that extra effort. Uh, But that's going to do it for this one, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go balls. Go balls.